Christina. Oh, I'm so thrilled to have her back. <laughs> well, how's LA been treating you thus far? Oh, you know, it's a uh, it's a little crazy here. Um, I was pretty surprised. There's just so many businesses just boarded up and shut down, and uh, really starting to see, um, you know, the impact. So that's pretty wild. It looks different, you know, it looks different. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's one of the things with the kind of wild Rona times right now is that there's just a lot of disparity out there. But I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm happy to chat with you today. As I said, you're a beautiful <laughs> And, you know, you're such a, you're, honestly, you're such an awesome person. And just the things that you did for just getting, you know, really pushing for My Sweet Little Cakes and getting that fundraiser going and kind of navigating all that and getting everything arranged with all the musicians like the world needs more <laughs> light workers like you i love it thank you yeah i'm excited we we're so close to getting to that like 20 percent mark funded we're so close so i felt like that fundraiser really just uh you know spread the word quite a bit and i was really happy with you know how much we raised and you know hopefully we'll start putting out little clips of the show so people who didn't catch it can tune in and see some parts that they missed maybe and so <laughs> of course of course it does always they'll keep working check out raisethecakes.com to continue that fundraising <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely please do <laughs> we're going to help support this incredible business owner to get him back up on his feet we have some incredible artists lined up to entertain us and to get us excited about supporting the raise the cakes fundraiser for my sweet little cakes we've got chesky I don't even know where to begin. He's so wonderful. Uh, we have Fraker, who was a former American Idol. We have Tate Sims, who has traveled and toured all over the world playing with many notable artists. I will also be doing a set and we'll definitely be hearing a poem from the CEO of My Sweet Little Cakes, Jesse Bourne Poet. Yeah. In terms of like the, the street performing, how long were you on the streets for? Oh... <laughs> it, it, it was an off and on thing for, you know, my whole life. <laughs> uh, the first time I was out on the, living out on the streets was when I was five. And I ended up living in a, like a basement of a church, like some of my family. But then I was homeless again when I was like 16, 17 and then and then like when I was 18 I like signed I like signed my first lease like and moved into a place and um it was St. Vincent de Paul I think like gave me a voucher for furniture <laughs> <laughs> there you then go. An old couple that came by and they're like, Ooh, you have nothing in here. And I'm like, I have a roof, you know? Like, <laughs> like I did it. There you and go. Then, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they came by like a month later and they're like, Oh, you're doing fine. You're fine. They're like, We didn't think you were going to make it. And I was like, Really? Why? And they're like, Because you had nothing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's but, like, you have like, how did you remain so strong throughout those years? 
I think that's one of the things that a lot of people are experiencing right now. And I know at least here in Seattle, there's, I mean, like youth homelessness, teen homelessness has just like skyrocketed these last few years, especially. So it's like, what would be some words of encouragement and advice for people that are still like dealing with this type of grind? Well, I mean, it's just so hard. People have no idea. It's hard to stay clean. It's hard to, it's hard to move forward and you're just so tired because you just like, <laughs> you don't, you don't get a break. You don't get to sit down and put your feet up when you're tired. You got to walk another five miles. <laughs> it's, just, it's hard. Um, but right now the problem with homelessness that's going on, that's really, really bad. You know, it, it happened before all this economy and shift with the COVID. It happened before um, all this fentanyl was coming in. It was being put into like all the coke and the heroin and the whatever. Um, and like, even like the junkies I know that live under the bridges, they were saying that like so much of the drugs are cut with fentanyl, that they all carry these little kits now and they they literally are reviving each other like on, on a you know weekly basis wow. there are you know people in their camps are are ODing because the stuff is so strong and it's so bad so there's a there's a massive massive addiction issue and someone's pushing that stuff you know into the into our small towns and our communities and they're all gathering cities and um it's it's bad it's all the way up and down the coast it's it's everywhere <laughs> it's so bad that's that's incredibly discouraging and i think it's i mean it's something that a lot of people are even aware of because it's again it's like what you're just saying it's breached and gone beyond just like cities it's in the small towns it's in the suburbs it's i know a few people that have you know, technically od'd and one of them has died because of um, what they think is probably fentanyl poisoning. But again, it's like what you're saying, such a small amount, but so strong and it's just wreaking havoc. So that's an entirely like different thing going on. Yeah, and someone's, someone's putting it in the drugs and putting it out on the streets and getting people addicted to it. It's like a hundred times more addictive than the cocaine and the heroin itself. I don't know if it's a hundred times exactly, but I know it's a lot. <laughs> I'd be exaggerated, but I, it's it's either way. It's very very addictive, and it, yeah, you know. So like, I I'm grateful and fortunate that I never got addicted to any kind of drugs or anything like that. So like, because I was never a drug addict, and I always worked, whether I lived out of my car or this or that or whatever, I was always seen more as like an artist and a free spirit and a gypsy and you know, so, I mean, some people still looked at me as homeless. It depends on who <laughs> it was. And some people looked at it as a, it's a fun adventure, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it, <laughs> either way. Uh, either way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, love it. <laughs> you know, when people are out on the streets and dealing with addiction, it's like a whole other level um, mm. of, you know, it's a whole other level of, of difficult. And yeah. I mean, we have like elderly people out in the streets that are addicted 
too, you know, and disabled people out in the streets too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, people just need to pray for them. <laughs> Seriously, and <laughs> I think. Need to pray for them. Well, no, definitely, and I think that's one of the things too, where it's it's just one thing after another because it was like oxycotton and all those like when at least when i was growing up in middle school they're called beans and that's like i remember when that hit and that was like back in like the early 90s or like mid 90s late early 2000s and that was when it was still going really really strong all throughout then up until really the fentanyl stuff and again it was the same thing where it's like you're seeing average regular day people that are just getting addicted to it because like an injury from work and then being on the streets oh yeah yep and and that that was a problem too it's like you know people getting hooked into these um prescription drugs and then it gets taken away and i don't even you know they don't know how it even happens you know it just it just happens it's just all of a sudden you're like selling your refrigerator in the street i mean it's crazy oh my gosh so true and i think that's something like you hit the nail on the head earlier where it's people just don't even realize how hard it is and i've always been conscious about that just because like i went to just because where my high school was at i went to O'Day, and like my first day of school was walking by saint james cathedral seeing someone shooting up in the alley and i was like oh well i guess this is the city and like went to class and i got to know and engage with a lot of the homeless people around that area because again you have the church they have the soup kitchen then you have like you know a lot of essentially like hospitals and other areas um but just a small conversation, just like a simple smile, a hello, like a how's your day going, and just some small talk. Like, it's so, you can just see it change the people's like entire like day. And I think that's something well, that's so we, we have to humanize people. And even sometimes homeless people, when you talk to them, they're not nice to you and they're completely crazy and ungrateful and specifically want you to do whatever for them and the total pains in the asses. And right. that, that's real too. <laughs> You know, but people don't need to be discouraged if people are having a bad one out on the street or acting crazy. That's the thing to also remember because, like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of mental health issues out on the street, too. I know for me personally, like, that's part of why I was the traveling gypsy off and on and whatever, <laughs> living, you know, on couches and it's abandoned houses and house sitting and whatever <laughs> you know like i have plenty i had to sort out i didn't um wasn't able to do any well, one space one place that brings me to my next question is you know a lot of your lyrics you know you've talked about a journey and you've been essentially liberating yourself and awakening to these deeper levels of life and coming into these deeper knowings and truths that are really just you know, said like hippie stuff it's like no but like that real truth like <laughs> that love that oneness and the potential yeah. of really like the human experience and what has really brought you along that journey of like healing and growth and honestly like spreading love you know i feel like that was always part of my personality i mean i always had a big opinion about things and I, I always was a firm believer in um, peace and justice and quality and um, maybe part of it stemmed from feeling the inequalities that I 
witnessed and experienced as a kid, you know, maybe that translated outwardly. Um, I don't really know exactly, but um, yeah, I, it's, I think for me, it's always been a gift um, to be concerned about, you know, making sure I'm being compassionate and caring about the world. So, we need it. We need more yeah, people that self-aware. <laughs> so. All right, I'm going to pop in and say, um, out of all the places that you have traveled and toured to, which place stands out the most to you as the most memorable? Ooh, I like it. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of places. It might be hard to narrow down. So even uh, top well, three. I I definitely will always remember touring Germany. That will stand out because I got to play um, not only like different types of like venues and, and restaurants and whatever, but I was also playing house parties. And it was really, really fun and a unique experience to be in a totally different country and not speak the language and be in people's homes with their families and their friends, you know, smiling and nodding and talking to each other. <laughs> and like, you know, okay, now we'll perform and singing to them. And then, you know, the, it, that was just, I'll never forget that. And there were so many venues that we went to where like the venue owners, they knew we were touring through. And so they would like home cook us a meal and show up to the venue and sit and have a meal with us before we did our sound check. That really left a huge impression on me. I just, I was like, wow, like, I'm totally. It's dope. <laughs> yeah, I just, it was so like homey and comfortable. You're a rock star, as I was saying. <laughs> That's incredible, because I, I was expecting one response and I got another. So it, it wasn't oh, really? just, yeah, I mean, the, the, well, I mean, that, I have to say it was a genuine Poena response though. It wasn't, hey, some great big venue and some fancy place. It was, no, I was in some person's house, some stranger's place. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking a different language, like, what are they saying? <laughs> yeah, and like my trumpet player, like looking at me and smiling and he was just like, I have no idea what anyone's saying. And I'm like, I know, but they're still talking to us and we're talking to them and it's just wonderful. And we're all having a great time and eating food and playing music. And they're all just like, what is this? You know? What a big so change wonderful. from playing in a subway and having somebody come up and cuss you out, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and shame on you, haters. Shame on you. <laughs> I did really. also play a pretty amazing stairwell in Salt Lake City one time. That I will say, it was great. It, it was really great. It was like they got permission from all the neighbors that it was fine for us to do a concert in the hallway. And so there was like maybe 20 or 30 people piled into this narrow, you know, stairwell that went up into the apartments and all yeah. sitting around on the stairs all the way down. And then I just was like right in front of the door, basically performing mm -hmm. like up into the stairwell for people. That was pretty cool. That must have had great acoustics. Yeah, it sounded wonderful. It was really fun. So I, I should have rephrased my question like, well, out of all the places you've been to, what was the greatest stairwell you ever played in? 
<laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I guess that's the coolest thing is the experience of music and creation. It doesn't really matter about the venue because it's all about just like the community around you and just like that moment or slice of now that you're in. I love that. Like I, such a dynamic response though. Yeah. <laughs> Traveling can- world tour in Germany, stairwell in Salt Lake City. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was kind of like similar, like experience in a way, you know, it's just like so So, unique and interesting and just everybody was so happy and it was just good. I love it. I think that's really, really important for any artist is to be in front of an audience that really vibes you. It doesn't matter if you're in a packed stadium, 30,000 people, like if no one's digging you, it's going to be a horrible experience. But you can be in someone's living room with a half a dozen people <laughs> and have the greatest night of your life. Yeah, I always thought it was like, well, you know, if I ever become a household name, it's because I've played in everyone's houses. <laughs> that is funny. I, I do have one other question. Yeah. For your, and this is for the creatives out there. Um, your songwriting process. Yes. Uh, do you come up with melodies first or with words first? Do they, like, what is your, is there a, uh, is there a set way that you do things or is it just, they all different? It depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Sometimes uh, I write music with um, this one guy named Rodrigo. His project's called Through. Um, and we've done some collaborations and he basically, like, give me a word and we build off of that but when I write a lot of times I write um, either something on the guitar and then it turns into something or and then I'll make like placement words for how I want it to fit together and then I'll count the syllables and then put words Mm -hmm. that are supposed to be there there (laughs) that makes sense I do that with videos I put placeholders there and then, oh, that's just a temporary, and they'll come back and change it. Sometimes they end up sticking around. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> but I get that. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. I never thought about that with songwriting, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's lyrics will come first, and I'll try to figure out how to put music to it. But that it usually turns out very, very different when I do it one way or the other. So mm. I have songs that are like brother and sister, and then I have songs that are more like cousins. And then some that are more like twins, how they come about, you know, but they usually come in pairs. Um, and there was a period of time they all came in threes, but oh wow, they come two at a time. Interesting. I was it's not really expecting a- that response. Go ahead, Peter. No, I mean, that gets me because it's, uh, well, because I had two more questions for you. And one of them, you just kind of hit the nail on the head is like that role of just kind of like duality in that kind of search is, do you find that each song that you have kind of comes in with like a, like a dark and a light? Because you're like, your, your experiences are very so, like a wide journey. Yeah. Sometimes they, it's like a dark and a light, you know, but sometimes they're just like, you know, very rarely are they twins, you know, are they just exactly the same, um, but different, you know, <laughs> um, you know, but I think, yeah, I think a lot of times that they'll be two completely different Ooh. sides of the same situation, you know, 
like, <laughs> two, two perspectives of the same two, story. Two perhaps. different ways to process the same drama. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Have a happy always. I love it. That concludes this episode of Creatives Chat. Thank you for watching. Join us every Thursday at 3.33 p.m. Pacific Daily Time as creative minds get together and chat about who knows what. View more episodes on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsors for making this show possible. Oh my gosh, that was a great way to, I love that. That was super powerful.